This is a Rooster Teeth production. In northeastern Utah, there lies a place with a long and storied history of encounters with the paranormal. Over the years, many have reported sightings of strange creatures, crop circles, and UFOs. People have investigated this land for decades, but recently, it's been locked away from the public. Today, we will discuss what we know and what is real about the location known as Skinwalker Ranch. This is Red Web. It's another Monday, another Mystery Monday. Alfredo Diaz is with me. I'm Trevor Collins. This is a classic oh, topic. People have been recommending the Skinwalker Ranch for a while. And you know what? We're in the spooky season. It's Halloween time. It seems like the perfect, appropriate time to talk about this one. Yeah, talk about UFOs, supernatural stuff. My goodness. Now, already, I'm intrigued because mm-hmm. it's closed off. Why would they close? Why? Why would anybody close it off if there's nothing there? If there's nothing to hide, you know, would you want to live on Skidwalker Ranch? Would you want to go there? I mean, we'll dive into all sorts of stories and details mm-hmm. about things that people have seen, uh, of course, when we'll talk about who's owned it and maybe right. why they've closed all that sort of stuff. But okay. first yeah. glance, how are you mm-hmm. feeling about Skinwalker mm-hmm. Ranch? Yeah, well, you know, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Just simply enough. I, I heard the name. That was enough. Look, regardless of UFOs flying over it, under it. Through it, I don't care. I don't need it. I don't, I don't need to deal with that in the middle of a, a, a Let's Play or something like that. I just, well, why not? Uh, it's not the way I want to live, probably. <laughs> just in constant fear. All right, well, let's dive into the timeline of this property a little bit, give you some background on what's going on. Then later on, we're going to dive into the stories and maybe some theories that might address some of those stories and maybe what's going on uh, in reality here. But Yeah, baby. So Skinwalker Ranch has gone by many names throughout the years, uh, but recently it's been come to be known as Skinwalker Ranch. It's located in the Uinta Basin in eastern Utah, and if you know anything about Utah, it's quite sparse, very mountainous, very rural, uh, not much going on, and so it's very easy to get separated from society and get out in the middle of nowhere. This land was supposedly fought over by the Ute and the Navajo tribes. Uh, One thing is clear, historically speaking, that these two tribes were often both hostile and friendly towards each other. So there is a history, uh, you know, this does seem to connect um, that oh. they might have fought over this land in particular. Like uh, we got kind of like an Indian burial ground situation. You know, we might, here. you know, there, there's some sort of magics going on. But, uh, you know, actions between these tribes included things like abducting members of the opposing tribe and selling them as slaves. So, you know, Jeez. they might have been, uh, I don't even want to say friendly, but they might have been tolerant of each other at certain points, but they definitely uh, got into each other's business in certain ways. Now, I also want to say, you know, some say that the Ute worked with the U.S. troops during the Civil War to help expel the Navajo from this area. And then others seem to indicate that U.S. soldiers expelled the Ute troops themselves from this land onto what is now the Uinta and Uray Reservation. Uh, We'll come back to this, but it's it's a good note to kind of pin in. But with that kind of background behind us, let's start looking at the uh, the land itself. So in 1905, the Myers family moved to the land and established a homestead. Otherwise, this was essentially virgin land untouched, kind of... Uh, on the frontier, as it were. Right. In 1934, 
Kenneth and Edith Myers move to a different part of this land. Uh, nothing substantial going on, just, uh, you know, living their lives. And then in 1987, we're very, very quickly flashing forward here, Kenneth Myers passes away, leaving Edith Myers alone at the ranch. Some reports say that she actually left the property at this time, while other reports seem to indicate that it wasn't until 1994 when she passed away that she finally left this property. So obviously now in 1994, the property is now ownerless mm -hmm. and it was up for uh, auction and it was purchased by both Terry and Gwen Sherman. Now, apparently upon moving in, they discovered that there were deadbolts not only on the outside, but also on the inside of all doors and windows in the house, as well as iron stakes and heavy chains, which seems to uh, indicate to me that they were trying to keep something out or even keep something in or or something. Uh, it seems very nefarious, you know? Yeah, yeah. Normal, normal people don't need to do stuff like that. Deadbolts. This is like padlock I'm talking about. We're not we're not saying that this is just a, a normal lock. You're locking it on both sides of the door. This means like you're not trying to use these doors or windows. Yeah, not uh, a fan. So, it's very strange how they even did that. If you if you ask me, uh, <laughs> you know, how did you lock it inside, <laughs> then somehow get out and then lock? Anyway, a couple years later in 1996, after a series of disturbing events, the Shermans sold the ranch to an aerospace billionaire named Robert Bigelow. Uh, of course, a billionaire named Bigelow. Uh, and right. we'll dive into the events, those disturbing events that the Shermans faced a little later on in the stories section. Now, this is where we start to get into a bunch of acronyms. So if you're taking notes or whatever, we're going to come back to some of these uh, acronyms later on. But Bigelow formed a National Institute for Discovery of Science, also called NIDS, to investigate, quote, fringe science and paranormal topics. Oh, damn, I've seen that TV show. <laughs> Leave it to the billionaires to say, hey, you know what? I got the money to spend. Let's get into these ghosts. They get into some stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. so this billionaire probably heard about all these things that was happening to this couple. And then, yeah, I guess I'll get, I bought it and decided yeah. to investigate. Crazy. Yeah, so he bought it from the, these couple that... So the Myers family that we talked about in the very beginning seemed to be right. here for decades. Uh, not much on their tongue, not really much reports, but obviously once they were no longer there, the Shermans come in, some weird lock situation, and now... So Robert Bigelow is like, all right, there's something going on here. I got the money to investigate. Let's get in there. So at this point, the property is referred to as the Sherman Ranch, simply because all of the stories coming from this land are from the Sherman family. But a few years later now, obviously Robert Bigelow is still owning it as of 96. This is 2004, and the NIDS is replaced by the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, which is just another acronym for you, B-A-A-S-S. It's, it's more secretive, but it had a similar goal. So just to get this all put together 96 mm -hmm. is when he owns it yeah he, he in 96 is when he owns it and he starts the nids this National Institute for Discovery like, i thought Science. this was like way back when this is not that i mean i was alive during this time period and then yeah b a a s s forms in 2004 yes a few years later similar goals uh just a little bit more secretive from the sounds of it so at this point in time, the area that we're talking about is known as Sherman Ranch, mostly because of the stories that the Sherman family experienced. Um, the Skinwalker Ranch doesn't come until a few years later, but obviously we're still in Bigelow territory. He owns it starting in 96. Now flash forward to 2004, 
is uh, is when the NIDS is replaced by a new name, the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. It's a more secretive organization, but the goals are essentially the same. And, uh, and why that exists is because the government starts to get involved. There's a contract here. So, 2007 now, the Defense Intelligence Agency met with Senator Harry Reid after visiting the ranch. The DIA then created a program called Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program in order to study UFOs. And then in 2008 through 2011, this is where it all kind of marries together, where the government issued uh, Bigelow Aerospace a $22 million contract around that program that studies UFOs. And it was funded at the request of Harry Reid, that senator who was at the time the Senate Majority Leader. So this is a pretty serious thing. You know, they're, they're, he's getting good money uh, pumped into his, his aviation business here to study UFOs at this property. Yeah, I mean, unless he's just... Uh, you know, uh, the smoothest of smooth talkers. <laughs> like you'd have to have some type of like proof or right. a, a solid theory with with something like tangible or uh, that you could show to be just given the funding mm -hmm. that they would need for that. So that's interesting. I mean, I I don't know. It doesn't go uh, whatever way. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. like. Or just like it's oh it's for UFO studies. Here you go. I oh yeah, here's twenty two million dollars. Just go I for it, pal. Best in that. I don't think that's a safe bet at all. Well, that's what's always so interesting to me about you know things like Area Fifty One or now Skinwalker Ranch or anything. You know the the government is always talking about budgets and this and that. And I don't want to get political here, but what's always fascinated me about stories like this is when the UFO topic comes into play. There's always these very strange times where the government really puts out fat checks and says like, you know what? Just in case. Let's take a listen. Yeah. Let's take a look. Let's like let's see if we can learn something here. Because really, the only tangible pieces here that might have secured this contract were the fact that Bigelow was a good friend uh, of Reed, and we had some compelling stories from the family that preceded him. And at this point, you know, like I said, we're in the 2008-2011 range when this contract was active. Mm -hmm. And the Shermans were there from 94 to 96. So it's it's been some time since really you know there's been a lot of talk but again we'll get into the stories a little bit more later but that's where we're at the contract is there and uh bigelow continued to run previous tests and studies during this time but now he's more official he's got the government funding and everything right. still after his ultimate goal of kind of looking into fringe sciences and paranormal topics and the like so we flash forward a few more years and the ranch is sold again to Adamantium Holdings, which is owned by real estate mogul Brandon Fugel. Now, it's unclear exactly why Bigelow sold the property. Uh, maybe, you know, he didn't find anything. Uh, you know, po a popular theory is that activity had declined on the ranch, which led to waning interest from Bigelow. Perhaps, you know, he lost the contract because he wasn't finding anything, you know, things of that nature. Maybe that's why he's like, you know what, this is just all hoo-ha, I'm out of here. So we have a real estate mogul now who's in on this. And a year later in 2017, the New York Times actually broke the news about the research that was being funded on this property. And uh, and this is where the Skinwalker Ranch name came from. Uh, a trademark was actually filed for that name on February 15th in 2017. Weird. It's just weird that just this land's just getting passed around by 
I mean, what seemed like the smallest of, of people, families, to now these big old companies. and It was owned for essentially 82 years, or, or actually a little longer because, uh, because Edith Myers was still around. So almost 90 years it was with one family, and then from the 90s on, it seemed to quickly, yeah, change hands with all with various purposes. Do we know why the family was like, what they were experiencing, why they were locking things up or anything like that? We know a little bit about what they were experiencing and we'll dive into some of that. Oh, um, hell yeah, okay. As cool. far as why they locked up, it could be because of those stories. But one last piece here, uh, after the ownership, after this new ownership, I should say, with, again, Brandon Fugel, the ranch had been blocked from the public by an illegal gate. The owner claimed it was necessary due to the numerous amounts of, or the numerous cases of trespassing issues. They they since requested for that gate to be approved. I don't know what the legal process is there. It's private property, as it were, but eventually it was approved. Uh, the gate is now legal, etc. And from this moment on, it is official private property with no access to the public. No more trespassing, no more stories, no more research. It's all locked down to this particular person and whatever it is that they want to do. So instead, they now do their own private investigations on the land what? with similar high-tech equipment, including a uh, personal command center. Excessive. <laughs> a little bit. It just, it just sounds like, oh man, it sounds like so much. To me, it reads, because uh, he's a real estate mogul, these people are usually interested in investments. And so when I was doing a little bit of research, Christian did most of the legwork as usual. What I noticed was that a lot of the History Channel kept coming up. <laughs> Not a sponsor or anything, but I think this individual locked down the property so that way they could finance or they could control, I guess, the research. Basically turn the whole property into an investment and said, okay, well, if you want to come here and research, if you want to be on the property, it's going to be less of a handshake deal and more of a, all right, we're going to write up a contract. You know, you're going to come in, you're going to make something out of this, a documentary or a series or whatever. And we're going to make right. a TV show because that way, you know, whether something comes up or not, this real estate mogul is getting their finances back. Right. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's where we land. That's what takes us up to today with regards to Skinwalker Ranch, who owns it, what about it, you know. Again, this is off into Utah, off in the, the north northeastern area. But let's dive into some stories, because I touched on briefly a couple of things that people have talked about, but let's start with UFOs. Oh Lord, here we go. So, there have been multiple UFO reports over the years, and I think multiple is probably an understatement at this point, because these UFO sightings go back to as early as the 1700s, apparently. Members of the Dominguez Escalante expedition back in 1776 supposedly saw flying orbs in the sky when traveling through this area. So it's clear that this area has had some sort of activity around it for some time. And it's not like people are coming in with preconceived notion of, oh, Skinwalker Ranch, there must be something here. I'm primed to see something like this goes back, obviously, to 1776, where explorers and expedition is out here saying, oh, man. There's like flying stuff. Things don't fly in 1776, to be no, clear. not at all. And that's a good note I want to mention, you know, sightings here aren't just limited to the families that lived on Skinwalker Ranch. There are hundreds of reports in general around this area and throughout the many years, obviously, that people have been around it. Another thing that's worth noting that is different from most UFO sightings, or at least UFO hotspots, is that reports have not all been the same. 
Usually in these sites, UFOs have the same shape or size. People tend to build their stories off of each other. Uh, but instead, there have been multiple different sightings of various types of UFOs, descriptions, etc., properties of the UFOs. But they're also not like one-offs, right? Like so, despite there being various different types of UFOs in the area, they're still relatively common. Anyway, let's just dive into some of the different types of UFOs people have seen. There's a small box-like craft surrounded by a white light. There was one that was noted as a 40-foot-long object that would silently move through the air. I believe the Sherman family actually saw one just like this. One was noted to be a gigantic, a gargantuan ship the size of several football fields. And then there's also a very common one, which were airborne lights and flying orbs. Things that uh, were of various colors, like orange and blue, seemed to be the most common one. Hmm. And, uh, and in fact, the Sherman family even reported seeing a large orange orb in the sky that seemed to act like a portal or a doorway as other smaller objects seemed to appear or fly out of it, um, which is very interesting. Some of the other UFOs supposedly emitted a red beam of light, and this one's really creepy to me. Some claim to have heard voices along with these orbs. Uh, about 20 to 30 feet in the air. So so people are seeing orbs not really all that far away, but they're hearing voices from these orbs. Right. And this brings me to an incident that I wanted to get into, very specific to the Sherman family. The incident that actually caused them to leave the ranch after two years. So this report follows the... Uh, kind of closely behind the report I mentioned earlier where they saw a large orange orb in the sky that had other ones flying out. Later on that day, they saw flashing lights... And eventually they saw a small blue orb, or maybe multiple orbs, approaching them that were all, again, only 10, 20, 30 feet off the ground. And as they approached, their dogs seemed to get very aggressive and started to bark and growl at these objects. And Terry, the, the father, actually let his dogs loose. And the dogs then went after the orb, started jumping at it and barking at it, trying to bite at it. And the orb just seemed to float backwards and away leading the dogs further into the property, further into the undergrowth, and eventually into the woods where mm -mm. Uh, they were out of sight. Yeah, and no. I don't know if this was uh, immediately or if this was later on that night. It's, it's hard to say from the accounts, but upon losing sight of the dogs, there was a loud yelping, almost screaming noise coming from the dogs. And the next day, when he went out to go find his dogs and went to the area that he lost sight of them, he finally did find them, but, you know, he found three mounds of burnt flesh and hair and tar, and, well, that was the, the remains of his dogs, and he has no idea what happened to them. He has no idea, you know, if it was the orb or what, you know, they were chased off into the woods, and that was the end of that. What? It's very, uh, very spooky. But it's, what's interesting is that the idea of portals isn't unique to just the UFOs. There's other indications that portals were showing up elsewhere uh, by people researching with night vision, goggles, and, and the like, uh, essentially thinking that they saw, and this is a different story now, where they mm -hmm. supposedly saw portals opening uh, or soft light or whatever that would kind of glow in an orb-like shape, or at least that's how they read on the night vision goggles, and then they would see dark, creatures stepping out of these almost like they were portals from like the game portal right they would step out of these portals only for those portals to then subsequently shrink and disappear and that these oh. creatures were tall dark approximately six foot tall creatures and these are the skinwalkers that people have supposedly seen 
uh, around the property. Oh, that's that's crazy. Why would why would it's it weird. only happen in this area though? That's like that's my biggest thing. Like why just here? That's a really good question. And we'll try to answer that in the theories section. There's a couple of reasons why maybe this specific piece of property rather than the just greater area mm -hmm. that, that seemed to line up or to, to try to provide an answer to what you're asking. But, but ultimately, this area seems to... It has stories around it, right? Both the Ute and the Navajo tribes forbid themselves from going to this area because they have the story of the Skinwalker. Essentially an evil shaman-like creature that can take on the form of animals. And so whether it's the story that the Skinwalker lives nearby or this is where they just happen to appear, I'm not sure. And that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily answer why they're here versus somewhere else, but uh, but there are long-standing stories of the Skinwalker in this area. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not going to mess with that. I'm good. The next most popular topic when it comes to Skinwalker Ranch is the cattle mutilations. The Sherman family even reported seven of their cows missing during their short stint at the farm, or at this, I guess, area. And three of them were found dead and mutilated. One cow was found with a hole in the center of its left eyeball, no other sign of injury, nor any trace of blood, but it did have a strange chemical-like odor, which is very strange, obviously. The second cow was found with the same hole in its left eye, as well as a six inch wide, one inch deep hole carved out of its rectum. The same what? chemical smell lingered, but what? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're doing a, uh, I don't know, butt I, I'm gonna, Listen, I want that butthole. <laughs> like, like I just, they're just like, oh, what's this? What's this little like circular hole here? I, maybe, I'll, maybe they wanted to mount that on their little alien wall. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they don't know where the brain lies, and they went to the wrong end. But it's strange that they both had the same, like, hole in the left eye, as if, as if that's like, they're studying something or trying to get some sort of like, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with that, science-wise. There's just like people that own the property just trying to create commotion around perhaps it, buzz you know maybe i mean you got to think about that that's a really good question but who stands to benefit from stories like that but the people that came at the billionaire and the and the real estate mogul that came after and then you know they at least the the billionaire seemed to leave after having no stories right the the sherman family they're just trying to live their life so right. and up until this moment, sure, there's a couple sightings throughout history, but really until they arrived, they didn't have a whole lot to go off of. So they, I almost seem to feel like they had no real reason to make these things up, especially since they were like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here in two years. But what's fascinating to kind of build off of these other two cows, the last of these three cows was found dead a mere five minutes after having been seen alive. It had a six inch wide, 18 inch hole carved out of its rectum, and there was no blood found on the cow or the nearby snow. And the same chemical smell lingered in the area. And what's more is that around the cow was a circle of twigs, and that the tops of the nearby trees seemingly appeared to have been cut in some way. So it's almost like, all right, they learned a little bit about the eye, and then the next cow, okay, they got the eye again and then a little bit of the rectum and now you've got a cow that ignore the eye it's just got this enormous 
18 inch deep hole out of its rectum, but still somehow no blood anywhere. It was seen alive a mere five minutes prior. So what can cause such a traumatic injury, leave zero trace, maybe a circle of twigs around the thing, and, and maybe it flew off? I, I don't know. This is, I, I'm struggling to come up with something other than it being made up. Who's out here messing with these damn cows? Leave these cows alone. <laughs> like, they're getting got real bad out here. I I don't even want to envision the final moments of this poor cow. Uh, I just imagine some weird person is running up and just doing weird stuff Blah! to cows. Got your like, I don't yeah. understand. Like, why? Yeah. Well, like I said, there were seven total missing cows. Three of them found... The other four disappeared without a trace. They followed the hoof prints of one cow through the snow-covered field. The prints stopped near some tree at the edge of that field. The area where the prints disappeared was circled by broken twigs and branches again, and above the tops of the trees seemed to be cut off, just like that final cow that we found before. So what's interesting is like, you know, maybe cow number four, they stopped making holes and they just took the whole dang thing. And maybe cow number five, six, seven. I don't even know. Yeah, they're just going to town on, on the cows at this point. And then the final note when it comes to cow the cattle mutilations is that the uh, NIDS, right? The billionaire owned National in Institute for the Discovery of Science. They mm -hmm. had found similar instances or noticed similar things during their time at the property. Mm. Um, but those are that's the only thing I have on that. No further details, really. It's very strange. Very unsettling, too. Yeah, but so far, it's just just cows. The dog one was a little creepy. Oh, I will admit. Dog one's creepy. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't follow my dogs into a, a thick forest of any kind. Oh, God, no. I, I, I wouldn't have let my dogs off the leash. Listen, if you, I've learned from Terminator. If your dog's barking at something, it means it's evil. And you keep your dog close because that poor creature is going to get offed by that yeah. evil entity. I mean, worst case scenario... You know, if it's a fight or flight moment, the dog will go and uh, try and bite at it. You mm -hmm. can just get away. I mean, it's not. Maybe maim know. it. Maybe get some evidence <laughs> no, out of not, it. It's not what you want, but. Yeah, no, I, man. I, so, so here's, so I, there's, there's still ample. There's more to go. Okay. So, okay. So we've, we've laid down the ground of some, some various and, and longstanding UFO sightings. And, and to reiterate, they're, they're continuous, but they're also different. And they're not all unique. It's not like someone's making up every time there's a story. You know, there's several f sightings of a 40-foot-long object. There's several sightings of these right. orbs, etc. And usually when we talk about these topics, when we, when we dissect these mysteries, they focus on one thing. UFOs or, or whatever. So we have UFOs and then we have ca cattle mutilations, which might be able to nestle in with the uh, UFOs, right? The, the stereotypical... Uh, UFO abducted my my cow sort of right, thing. Right, exactly. But we started to dip a little bit into like the idea of portals with the UFO, and then and then started dipping our toes into like the Skinwalker stories and everything. And now we have like dogs being blasted by these like mysterious orbs that are like literally the size of maybe a a softball or a baseball hovering off the ground. So like we're obviously very heavy into alien territory, but yep. this next one is what what really kind of starts making me think. Oh. And uh, in the notes, Christians put simple, bulletproof wolf. What? Yeah. Okay. 
I was like in. ready for you to throw whatever <laughs> you had to throw at me, and then you did that. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. So we're veering hard out of the UFO territory. Perhaps. Perhaps. So the day the Sherman family started to move in, they noticed a large wolf-like creature on the property. Various accounts seem to indicate that this this entity, uh, you know, was just a normal wolf or whatever creature that it didn't seem to be malicious in any way. Right. Um, some seem to maybe even, even indicate that like they almost had like a like they treated it like a dog. Um, I can't confirm or deny that. But later, they claimed to see this creature attacking one of their calves who had stuck its head through the bars in the fence. It essentially latched itself onto the to the calves nose and face. Oh. And so obviously the family's like, well, that's our business. And that's right. a young calf. Uh, no, thank you, please. So Tom, the son, and the father, Terry, grabbed a, a series of weapons, a baseball bat, a rifle, and a handgun, and went after the thing. The son starts hitting on the wolf-like creature. I, I'll just call it a giant wolf, a large wolf. Starts hitting the thing, and it doesn't even react. It seems to almost not even acknowledge that it's being bothered or being hit. At which point Terry steps up with his 357 Magnum and shoots it three times repeatedly in the ribs, closer each shot even, to the point where I think the last one was essentially point blank. And the creature experiences no wounds. It almost what? seems to have no entry point and it seems completely unfazed. Uh, at which point he's very confused, obviously, and he grabs his rifle and starts to shoot at the creature. Eventually, a few shots in, it does seem to be making a dent, right? It seems to be injuring the creature. The creature lets go of the calf, finally. Uh, stands there for a minute. He shoots it again, and uh, and a piece of flesh seems to hit the ground. And then the wolf, essentially, casually, walks away. Seemingly showing no, sh no signs of being injured, despite the flesh kind of being left on the ground. And then and off it went. It ran off into the woods, uh, seeming again unfazed and uh, disappeared, not to be seen again. And the last piece on this note is that the flesh left behind had a, like a rotting flesh smell uh, immediately after having come from the wolf. And that's that's interesting to me, but this, this kind of starts to lean into the Skinwalker story that people have talked about. Oh, that's creepy. But still, this sounds like the tallest of tales. It does. I need something. I mean, everyone is experiencing all these different things. Like, there's mm -hmm. not like a photo or, well. uh, I don't know, like a sketch or, you know, a tweet. Someone TikTok about it. Like, something, <laughs> some way, shape. I need something tangible here. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. This and to me, wild. it's like, okay, was there, there was a piece of flesh and supposedly a, a tuft of hair or whatever. Like finally one of these rifle shots made an exit wound and that's where this is coming from. And I would have been like, put that son in a Ziploc, send it to a lab, figure out what you right got away. on your hands. Right away. Right away. And I don't know if that was done. Christian, you can let me know if something was done there, but I'd also like to ask you, Christian, Alfredo references a few photos. And in researching this, I saw a few photos that are very, very odd but do you have any do, do you know if there's been any photos of wolf-like creatures or anything of the orbs that we've talked about so far the most commonly photographed and recorded stories that have been been talked about so far are the ufos like the orbs mm -hmm. there are some photos of what looks like 
To me, it looks like a normal wolf, but it is large, and according to the people who took the photo, it was behaving rather erratically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there is photo evidence of wolves in the area as to whether it's this quote-unquote bulletproof wolf. <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah. I think, yeah, one of the stories or one of the sightings was essentially that this wolf was, it looked like a coyote because it was mangy, but huge. Like, unlike a coyote, a coyote is kind of like a big dog. And then, but what they saw was like, this looked like a huge coyote. Um, maybe it's the same thing or not. Oh, hey, everyone. You found our little ad break here in the middle of the episode. I hope you've been enjoying the story of the Skinwalker Ranch so far. It's a very creepy one, perfect for this time of year. But now we got to talk a little bit about what helps keep this show afloat, and that's our ad boys. So this episode of Red Web is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. HelloFresh offers convenient delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with simple steps and pictures to guide you along along the way. You can save 40% by using HelloFresh versus shopping at your local grocery store, and it's more convenient. Spend more of your day thinking about other things. HelloFresh also helps you eat more sustainably. They deliver pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet and your wallet. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclables and or already recycled content. Since they offset their operations, travel, and shipping emissions, HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. And they're also committed to giving back. HelloFresh is committed to making fresh, delicious food available now more than ever and has taken extra steps to keep its employees and customers safe, including contactless delivery, tamper-proof packaging, and team member wellness checks. HelloFresh donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019, and this year they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the coronavirus crisis. Now, if you're going to get HelloFresh, one of the dishes that I most love and I continue to make to this day is the garlic herb tortelloni recipe. It's so good. It's really good for you. It's the first dish that got me eating tomatoes. I don't really like tomatoes, but I was eating zucchini and tomatoes out of this dish, and it was really, really good. No joke. But to get this deal, go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb80 and use code RedWeb80 to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb80 and use code RedWeb80 and you're going to get that $80 off. Some of the photos I've seen kind of lean, lean into this skinwalker idea. Um, and it's very hard to know, man, if, if they're real or not or, or whatever. Like one of them was a night vision shot of what looked like the only way i can describe it is it looked kind of like a couch it looked like somebody who out of any sort of horror film if you kind of fell backwards and caught yourself with your hands and then kept your torso and, and upper legs straight perfectly horizontal right and then, and then your head came up it it looked like kinda someone grudge-ish. contorted yeah it and i've seen things like that people have seen creatures of various large statures or weird positions which again if if you believe into the lore of the of the skinwalker that it is this um you know dark magic uh, skin changing sort of entity and and so it would kind of fit that and it's very unnerving it's very hard to tell though you know it the 90s 
that's when like digital was starting to become a thing and so cameras were digital and their photograph quality wasn't great you know you don't know if they're doctored it's it's um it's interesting they're, like and again as with every episode we'll try to post some visual assets for you guys on our twitter at redwebpod you can check us out there we usually have a corkboard uh, featuring a couple of the things that we reference, but in this particular case, there isn't any specific images to reference. There's just um, you know, a bunch of stories and, and some hopeful visuals that might corroborate them. But if you want to check out some of the visuals, some of the more compelling visuals, we'll, we'll put a, a bunch of them there for you guys to check out. But Why hasn't like a professional like forensic investigator of some kind look at this stuff right like you got to think that people go the people that can analyze a photo to, to see if mm -hmm. it's real or been tampered with or, or whatnot yeah i'm assuming I, mean, I don't know this is all just some pulling us out of out of thin air yeah i mean that's a really good question if you if you think you're seeing a creature that you've never seen before let me just say this for the listeners at home just tell someone anyone your neighbor next door the crazy guy that you don't like to talk to maybe maybe probably somebody more government oriented and just say like hey i think i found a new creature especially if you think you shot off a chunk of it and then it just trotted off into the woods yeah it's it's surprising that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of forensic evidence in the in the wings regarding this location yeah. but but that said like i don't know it seems like the stories really came in during a short and hot period and then they seem to become privatized, right? Like the billionaire was like, well, I see the, f I see that I'm getting funding here. Uh, he might be inclined to like keep that close to his chest or maybe the government has some sort of like, all right, this is top secret now. This is going to go in a folder somewhere. No one's ever going to see it. And now the guy yeah. that owns it now is just a private entity, right? He yep. might trying to recoup his investment. And so really most of its modern lifetime has been probably filed away and saved somewhere so we we don't really know if the, if there was a new creature or some sort of real development especially if it was alien of nature or some sort of portal system then we we might not know about it yeah that's you know? wild i would man i would love to just take a dive into whatever government office that is with all mm -hmm. these deep dark secrets just to see what is up could you imagine just like having access to that some way somehow and that'd be so the, nuts the amount of things you'd see and just go oh my god you'd be changed forever ever forever I, I would assume there's if not like crazy supernatural alien type things i don't know maybe like crazy tech right like mm -hmm. tech that is you just see in the movies and cinema but you know the government and the, you know the military just they're using it i mean that's the whole thing with area 51 right is that it might not be aliens or ghosts or whatever, but it is super advanced human technology that like would still make your mind go, whoa. Exactly. But what's, but I guess you kind of like, you brought up a good thought. Like you would think that if forensics came in and said, there's nothing here, then there's that there wouldn't be any harm in just releasing that. I mean, unless you're, you're trying to build up, you know, Hey, come out here because we're haunted. Right. But right usually you hear about things when there's nothing going on if there's some validity especially if the government's involved you're not going to hear nothing yep so it makes you really wonder yeah and i mean that's the crazy thing about it right it's just like people throwing money at this i like this just seems like such crazy stories and such crazy tales but if you're throwing money behind it there's gotta be something right like i right. wouldn't think that granted you know different walks of life but i wouldn't think that a 
someone with all this money or a government or whatnot would just throw so much money out of just like someone's experience someone's stories you know nor would they you know spend many years either owning or investigating the property obviously Bigelow owned it for quite some time, but the investigation that he had with the government was kind of like a shorter window. So it's really hard to read into the details to figure out, ah, did he did he have something or did he not? It's 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 very hard to tell just based on like those facts alone. You can kind of infer, but uh, some other couple uh, stories here that I found interesting uh, was that the property tended to have high radiation spots around the ranch. And some people were actually found to have suffered signs of radiation sickness after being on the ranch. And so that kind of lends credence to the UFO stories. Ooh. You know, if you're familiar with UFO stories, they tend to have, they tend to go together well with a, with radiation, right? And that's kind of the ongoing theory is that it's radioactive propulsion, that they leave hot spots when they get close to the ground, etc. Mm-hmm. But also crop circles. The Sherman family reported that they had found three crop circles of flattened grass in a triangular pattern all about 30 feet from each other and that each circle was about eight feet across so again you got some more stereotypical kind of goes with the ufo stuff but some other more like interesting things that might not go with anything that we've discussed though thus far is that apparently there have been reports of hearing like underground machinery uh, like big just moving clunking parts under the ground and that's that's really interesting to me. I I feel like a, a seismograph might start to look into that or just starting to dig a hole. But like that might start to at least attempt to answer why this area is a hot spot for certain things. Or maybe that right. these supposed UFOs are originating underground. It's hard to say. Just I would you know, I would assume it's just man-made things that you just wouldn't think to come across, right? In the middle of the night type stuff. Yeah. And, and I got one last kind of piece that I want to dive into, but before I do that, I'll kind of dive into a couple just like points that we had written down here. Magnetic fields from invisible objects had been uh, measured around the property. Supposedly, people had heard angels singing around the property. People have seen a mysterious figure dressed in animal skins. And on the uh, on the thread of voices, people have heard a little girl's voice around the property, which is unnerving as heck. Mm. Uh, but even even beyond that, people have heard crying babies heard nearby the reservoir, and upon getting closer, creatures emerge and drag any person underwater to drown them. And I don't know if that's what? just a folktale or if someone has seen that, but supposedly these creatures try to draw you in with the sounds of crying babies, and there are videos. Oh, God. But yeah, there's videos even of like, crying or yelling in the distance it's very unnerving that's just someone's kid out in the distance going help help (laughs) all right johnny it's your turn today you're gonna go out into the fields no 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 i don't want to hear any no back lip no back talk no no get out in the fields just like your father's before you and start crying yeah yeah no use of any names this is uh (laughs) This is oh, just man. some mischief that's been passed down from generation to generation. A gift. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then the last thing and the most intriguing story to kind of end this on was that uh, one day Gwen Sherman was uh, arriving back at the ranch by herself. Her husband, Terry, happened to be out for work or whatever reason, was away from the home. And 
Upon getting to the house and looking out the window in the kitchen, she saw about 200 yards, give or take, away from the house, she saw a large vehicle. She described it as reminiscent of a motorhome. And that through one of the windows, she saw a large figure, and it has a very simple descriptor. Uh, she didn't really say much about it, but apparently it had a black visor of some sort, a helmet, and uh, large black boots. And uh, this figure supposedly got up from their workstation in this vehicle, and, uh, and walked a bit of a ways before turning to look directly at her. And upon looking at her, she slammed the curtains shut and immediately called her husband to get him back to the property. And uh, the next day when they went out to where that was supposedly at, obviously the vehicle disappeared uh, in that time. But when they went out to where the vehicle supposedly was, they supposedly found uh, large footprints, like 18-inch footprints in the mud. What's interesting is that they had the vague shape of a boot, right? The round heel, but they had no tread. And the other piece, which is interesting, is that there was no real way for anybody to, to drive such a large vehicle onto the property, at least at least not at that time, or at least not from the main roads. You'd have to have come basically from the middle of nowhere. But yeah, that is another story that has been outlined by the Shermans. And it seems like a lot of this is coming from the Sherman family. And I hope, you know, it's not like they're just making it up or just seeing things, but man, mm -hmm. they've seen a little bit of everything uh, at this property and, and yeah. clearly enough for them to actually run away within two years. I mean, I would have ran away the first time I saw something. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna sit there and question it. I'm gonna pack up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna move. I will hire whoever I need to hire to go in, pack my stuff up nice and carefully and I never have to go to that place ever again. And that's it, that's that. You don't, listen, you don't need melting dogs to scare me off, okay? You don't <laughs> yeah. need giant underground machinery with portals and skinwalking creatures and crop circles and all that. And you don't need any of that. You don't even need a, I'm a city boy. I show up in the middle of a field. I see a wolf. I leave and I never return. That's right. I'm gone. Nature, you scary. It's scary. And, and if this, this wolf has balls of steel to try to grab a cow Get through shot a at. fence... And then not only that, but take bullets, however that story crumbles, whatever that is, if it was a real wolf or otherwise, I'm just not out that way. I'm not going there. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Can you, okay, like, obviously this just seems like such tall tales. I keep saying that. I mean, but it imagine, does. But imagine though, like, if we were on a farm, that happened and we're, you know, we're like, oh, I was like, Trevor, get the, get the gun. Like, if there's a wolf, it's eating, eating one of our cows. Mm-hmm. And then you just shot it right in the head and just walked away. I would lose my mind. No, you would shoot it a few times and it wouldn't flinch. And then you would blast it a few more times and then it would walk away. I don't, I, right? I don't know how like, I would what, react. What would you, like, what would you do? Like, what would you even say? What would you do at that point? I was like, mm. I can't. What? I, I, realistically, I would look at the other person. I would keep my eyes on that wolf. But... I, I see my instinct would be sprint for the house. Oh, yeah. But I would go as fast as I can get into a vehicle. Oof. I don't know if I'd sprint from a wolf, though. I think dogs like to chase things that move. You got to like back down. You got to slowly eke your way out of that place. Ah, uh, I would I would call the police for immediate company. They get there and they say, what seems to be the worry? And I say, I'm alone in a terrifying spot of the world. 
uh, and you're going to stay here until a moving company helps and helps me evacuate. <laughs> yeah, because the police will do that. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, they'll get all the way out there. They don't need to know. But yeah, I, I can't even imagine being in that situation. Can't even. But, you know, with that said, that's a great segue. Let's jump into the theories. Of course, uh, you said it well, and I would tend to agree with you. These sound like very tall tales. And they all seem to, of course, there's, uh, you know, some some stories from various parties that have come to the to the ranch and various owners of the ranch. But a lot of it does seem to center on the Sherman family. And uh, for whatever reason that might be, that leads most people to think the most popular theory is a hoax, right? Yeah. Now, excluding the UFOs, again, uh, the Shermans were the, the ones that started sharing these stories. So, again, uh, the, the, the UFOs have been talked about for a while now. That's the only kind of through thread that transcends the Sherman family. But that that is enough for me to start going, yeah. What if they heard it from the Sherman family? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people just taking what they heard from the Shermans and putting their own twist on it. Mm-hmm. So obviously we know the Myers family lived there from the early 1900s all the way up into the 90s. And we have an interview, or at least facts from an interview, from Garth Myers, who is the brother of Kenneth, who was the man who owned it with his wife, Edith. And in that interview, uh, Garth indicated that Kenneth and Edith purchased the ranch in 1933. Now here's where I want to start like kind of clarifying a few things, or at least pointing a few inconsistencies out. Now. Looking at this story, we know that, or we're told that they moved onto that land to create a homestead in 1905, almost 30 years prior. Right, right. And other sources seem to indicate that they didn't purchase this property until 34, which is interesting, but I wanted to point that out. So I'm inclined to think that when they moved here, that it was federal land, just the frontier, essentially. And having been there for almost 20 years by a certain point, they were like, all right, well, Let's put our name on it. Let's actually buy this. Right. Garth continues to go on and say that Kenneth died in 1987 and that Edith then lived there alone from 87 until 92, at which point she moved into a nursing home for the remainder of her life until 94. Garth also says, quote, I can tell you unequivocally that up to 1992, there had never been and there never were any signs of UFO or similar activity, end quote. So in regards to the claims made by the Shermans, he said, quote, that's the story they made, but it's not the right story. End oh, quote. I thought he was going to come out and saying like, nah, nothing went on at all whatsoever. But he's just mm-hmm. like, no, it wasn't he's, UFOs. He's probably was... an older man, you know, and he's just like, that's just a bunch of hoopla. I don't believe in any of that, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, because his brother lived there for 80, 82 years. So, I mean, like, that's a long time mm-hmm. to, to be on a property and have no signs of anything. I guess at this point, you know, it makes you wonder, were the the padlocks, was that just being extra security? Was that just extra caution in the 90s? That was the level of security that they had out there. Uh, was it made up by the Sherman family, etc.? Because ultimately, you know, much like most cryptozoological sightings, there wasn't any verifiable proof. There's a lot of evidence that seemed to lend credence to the stories, but but no verified proof. Yeah. I need that. I need that info. I need that proof, man. You need the proof. You need the proof to make the pudding. It's funny you mentioned that about the locks, Trevor. In that same interview, Garth Myers actually said that 
what the Shermans had claimed about the locks on the inside and outside of the house and the heavy chains and all that said that none of that was true. He said that it took one key to enter the home and that if the key didn't work, a sharp kick on the door would let him in. <laughs> okay. So not very secure in the slightest. And it was more of a, just kind of a gesture of security, more of a, no one's living here. Let's just lock everything. Okay. Interesting. If, if, yeah, right. Even if there were padlocks. Okay. Hmm. Another thing that's interesting, you know, outside of the lack of proof, which you need for sure, Bigelow never came forward publicly and revealed stories himself. The time that I mentioned the NIDS came forward earlier and kind of confirmed, uh, you know, stories around the cattle situation, that was from his team and his crew, but Bigelow, having been the owner of that property for quite some time, uh, never came forward. And, uh, and we don't have anything from the current owner either. The History Channel actually did a documentary series called The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, and it was met with a lot of criticism on the authenticity of some of the results and aspects of that show. So, so far, you know, I know we like to like keep our minds open and lean into the unknown, but it does seem to be that this theory has a lot of strength to it, that this is all kind of a hoax. Yeah, it's just people making stuff up. People just seeing things, you know, late at night. You're living out in the middle of nowhere. You have no natural light outside of the moon. Yeah, you're going to see some stuff. But to have like shared, I don't know if they're like illusions or shared stories like that, where the father and son go out and fight this wolf and then the wolf just walks off. They're either bad storytellers or they sit around the campfire and they go, what are we going to come up with today? It's, it's interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I guess, I don't know, I guess some... Very wealthy people got tricked into buying property. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, and... that could be what it is. A billionaire came after them. So the, they're like, oh, no, this is a terrible place. We're the Shermans. And then a billionaire comes through and is like, I'll buy it. And yeah. Like, oh, sweet. I'll buy it. I'll look into it. Sure. I've got money to just throw away. <laughs> yeah. this, this could be most likely. This is, this is most likely nothing. But hey, if it's something, man. You know, the amount of money I could make off of this or something. Right. Another theory is that there are UFOs present and that they all connect via an underground system. The theory then states that the UFOs are investigating this land and protecting it for some reason in particular. Uh, I don't know exactly why this land over any other land to your earlier question, but um, the only thing that kind of lends credence to this idea is people hearing large machinery underground, right? Uh, obviously people seeing UFOs, but also that any digging on this land led to those individuals that were digging there suffering radiation poisoning and other illnesses, meaning that there might be some sort of radioactive material in the ground or to the theory that there might be some sort of radioactive mechanisms underground that is then poisoning anybody that gets close. Yeah, I, I, I could believe that there's like mis machinery underground that just digging and, and experimenting and doing stuff i mean i would even say that it's totally possible that the government could be out there you know area 51 is entirely remote but who's to say that we don't have just in the remote nowheres of utah we just have some large underground cavern of w whatever could be under there right? yeah some spinoffs <laughs> yeah yeah spinoff you know, area 52 <laughs> but you know it's uh, it's intriguing to think about the next theory kind of goes back to talking about the native american tribes that kind of started this whole podcast, or at least the, the background of it. And there are conflicting reports on whether it was from 
the Ute or the Navajo tribes, but it's said that, you know, that one of these tribes put a curse on this land. Whether it was to uh, deter the opposing tribe or because they lost the land and wanted to curse the land for the opposing tribe to then be there for the curse. Or whether it was to say like, hey, we're at a stalemate. We don't want any, if I can't have it, no one can have it. For whatever the reason is, the theory states that one of these tribes cursed the land and that no matter who was on it, they would experience that curse. And just to be clear, I think it's worth noting that the Skinwalker story stems specifically out of the Navajo storytelling. And imagine if it was some like pet cemetery type thing. Oof, crazy. Oh man, that was wild. oh no. That was wild. This wolf just keeps dying, coming back bigger and stronger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can get into the uh, superstition of like, you know, Indian burial ground, sort of UFOs and stuff like that. Not that I believe any of it, but like, I can get I can get behind that. I I can understand. As opposed that. to can, like, yeah, aliens just really like this specific plot of land on Earth. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> Maybe it's material rich. Maybe they just like the cows that feed off this grass. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's an alien timeshare. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So- <laughs> I've got this amazing spot down on Earth. Very few people. Um, you know, a couple of dogs, lovely cows, great rectums. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, but in an interview with Vice, a woman by the name of Luis Tsinijini, a Navajo Nation Parks and Recreation Service spokesman, said this. Quote, it was within the realm of possibility. In times of great desperation or wrongdoing, the oral storytelling does point to such events occurring. End quote. So she does seem to indicate that yes, in times of great need or desperation, that tribes would look to uh, their shamans or to um, other traditions in order to uh, either protect themselves or try to put harm on those that wished harm upon them. Ooh, dark magic. Yeah. However, in another interview with Vice, a woman by the name of Betsy Chapus, who was the cultural rights and protection director for the Ute tribe, said, quote, It's true that the Ute and the Navajo have had a strange relationship over land ownership, but I've never heard of any stories about a curse, end quote. So that's the kind of beginning and ending of that very quickly. It's, it's kind of more of an idea that, you know, or story that this might be in place. Uh, but there's conflicting reports by people that would be well-informed on this. You know, one says, yes, there is the idea that curses might be in play. Uh, not specifically here, but in the history of the Navajo tribe. And the other one is saying, specifically with these two tribes and on this land, you know, yes, there's a strained relationship, but I've never heard of anything of a curse. So it seems like the idea of the curse is out there, but not in particular around this situation. Yeah. Or maybe they're covering it up. Oh. <laughs> oh. And the last theory is that there's an interdimensional portal. Uh, obviously, some of these UFOs looked like portals, acted like portals. People have seen creatures stepping out of uh, these bright light sort of entities as well. But it goes to say that the land is a hotbed for paranormal activity and has a connection to another dimension, both attracting activity and allowing entities to cross over. To extrapolate on this, this is just me speaking, not necessarily this theory, but when you say, or when you ask, like, why this place, why this particular spot of the land, you know, there's a lot of theories that come into play with the Earth, gravitational field, 
uh, the way certain, I don't know what the lines are called, but the way certain lines uh, line up across the earth. I'm, I'm kind of spitballing here, but essentially there is some kind of pseudoscience to try to explain paranormal hotspots and activity being showing up like, okay, right over here, like the like Bermuda Triangle having yeah. a lot of activity as opposed to, well, what about directly east of the Bermuda Triangle? Why is that not any different? Um, and that's a different story, a different episode for another day. Um, but, you know, there, there's an idea here that maybe this just happened to be on a certain spot of the earth that is inclined to experience this type of uh, activity. Yeah, okay. All right. You know, tectonic plates shifted a certain way. and Yeah. You know. Cracked open a hole to hell or something and something exactly. crawled out. Who, you know, who knows? But uh, this this tends to sister up a little bit with the idea of, uh, with, with the radioactive piece a little bit because, you know, the, it's supposed that these portals are powered by radiation in some way and that that is what is driving the radioactive poisoning and the illnesses and that is why, you know, digging into the earth might uh, expose you more to this too. Apparently there's a wolf that's just been sucking up the radiation. <laughs> hey, maybe that's why he's bulletproof. Maybe there's something to this and we got a Hulk wolf on our hands and uh, you don't want to make it angry. <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, he seemed to, like, just based off the story, he seemed to contain himself pretty well. Mm. You know, if he got angry, those uh, we might not be hearing this story from the Shermans. We might not have <laughs> ever known the Shermans existed. He could have just, that wolf could have full-on taken them out. Just wild. Who knows? What a, what a wild place with it's, wild it's, stories. It's very wild. And I think what really sparks my interest here is that the government got involved, that it didn't relegate itself specifically to UFOs, but that there's like, there's the, you know, cryptozoology happening here with, uh, with certain creatures showing up, with portals showing up, with, with radiation. It's like, it's interesting because whether people make it up or not, typically locations are focused on certain types of activity. And right. this is this has just been very interesting, although I do in this particular one tend to subscribe to that. It's either a hoax or it's just like something that can't be substantiated to this day. It's because the evidence is few and far between. Who's to say or that it's all under wraps? It's just it's hard to know, but it, it's a very intriguing location. And uh, and part of me is still it wants to keep my mind open to it. And, and any other stories that come through, any other photos we could see. You know, maybe you and I will spend a night there camping. We'll go digging. We'll go wolf hunting. You know, uh, we'll get. We'll buy a couple of, mm -hmm, you know, urine right. packets off of Amazon. To, like, okay. you know, wolf urine. To, to, hey, we're out here. Mm -hmm. Come, come, hang out with us, giant wolf. Do do talk more about things I will not ever do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll get you some good <laughs> boots. Get you a helmet on, and that way you know you're protected. Uh, you know, we'll get the, the giant motor home, just like the, the story tells, and uh, spend a couple days out there. Just you, me, and, the, and nature. Yeah, no, that's a pass. Even, a even if pass? I had the opportunity, that's a hard pass. You sure you maybe soften it up a little bit? Maybe give me a maybe? We can, we can come on, it's Skinwalker Ranch. Not just get out I... there, ride horses, hang Not with the cattle. Me. Nothing like a, little, a couple days away from the city to really remind you, to really ground you. Not that I believe what being in about. anything that's been said about this place whatsoever. Hmm? But what is the point of even tempting it? So you're there saying... Not, you, not at all. You're saying there's a chance. You're saying that you might go... <laughs> that you, that there's, you, you, you don't believe it, so you're going to head out there. 
Okay, so if said person that owns this <laughs> private property was like, you know what, you, <laughs> you can come on and stay here for a night. Sure, fine. But like the worst golden ticket Willy Wonka adventure ever. Yeah, no, that, that, like that definitely is. 100% bar the worst says, hey, golden ticket. Come out here. Yeah, no. I just couldn't, like I said, like what is, what, what good Why tempt out fate? of that, I, right? I can feel it. Like, if anything, I get evidence that the world knows. I'm sorry, world. Like, I'm not ready to die for that, you know? Right. Like, I'll die for a lot of things, not for that. I'm not going to die for to- something <laughs> that you're going to sit here and doubt. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. good. Well, that's Skinwalker Ranch. It's a, it's a really fascinating topic, and there's a lot of other stories, a lot of other images, stuff that you can check out, look into yourself. We'll try to post as many of those images on our Twitter page, at RedWebPod. And, uh, and if you guys like this podcast, thank you so much. Word of mouth is the best thing you can do for us. Only second to giving us a five-star review if you listen on iTunes. It does a lot to help the show. It does a lot to help surface us to new mystery enthusiasts. But hey, let us know what you think about Skinwalker Ranch. What what are your thoughts on the matter? You can come, again, hang out with us on Twitter. You can let us know in the reviews. There's a thousand ways to get to talk to us. But also, if you find yourself stumbling into any sort of mysteries along the way, along your perusings of the world or the internet, feel free to let us know. We love the recommendations. That's where this one came from. It came from you guys in uh, in the reviews. But hey, we'll see you next Monday for another mystery and another brave Fredo. Fake news.